scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Job, chapter 28, verses 12 through 28. And we'll be reading it from the message. Hear these words of scripture. But where, oh where, will they, fi they find wisdom? Where does insight hide? Mortals don't have a clue, haven't the slightest idea where to look. Earth's depths say, it's not here. Ocean deeps echo, never heard of it. It can't be bought with the finest gold. No amount of silver can get it. Even famous Ophir gold can't buy it. Not even diamonds and sapphires. Neither gold nor emeralds are comparable. Extravagant jewelry can't touch it. Pearl necklaces and ruby bracelets, why bother? None of this is even a down payment on wisdom. Pile gold and African diamonds as high as you will. They can't hold a candle to wisdom. So where does wisdom come from? And where does insight live? It can't be found by looking, no matter how deep you dig, no matter how high you fly. If you search through the graveyard and question the dead, they say, we've only heard rumors of it. God alone knows the way to wisdom. He knows the exact place to find it. He knows every, where everything is on earth. He sees everything under heaven. After he commanded the winds to blow and measured out the waters, arranged for the rain and set off explosions of thunder and lightning, he focused on wisdom, made sure it was all set and tested and ready. Then he addressed the human race. Here it is, fear of the Lord. That's wisdom, and insight means shunning evil. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thanks, Matt. This past week, my kids had two snow days, which was great for them to see the look of excitement, and the teachers, <laughs> to see the look of excitement and pure joy on their face was fantastic. But I had work to do. And with the kids and Russ all home, the house was full and energetic and loud. So any plans that I had for the end of the week, they just fell apart. Now, my kids have had snow days in the past. That's part of living in Ohio. I think every year we've had at least one snow day. But this past week seemed different somehow. And then I realized that in those snow days, I was on a certain level reliving March 2020. The chaos and the stress and the trauma of, of sheltering in place, although it was necessary, and trying to figure out a new way of doing everything. I was reliving that all over again in those two snow days. It was this unexpected reminder of how our world as we knew it, it just unraveled, not even two years ago. And since then, we have been trying to make sense of all of it. A global pandemic was not in our plans. One day we were moving through the world with all of our hopes and our dreams for the future, and then the next day we began adjusting and pivoting and adjusting and pivoting. 
and then pivoting again, watching our plans unravel around us. And that grief and pain and trauma, it's still within us. So for the next month, for February, we are going to acknowledge those feelings and look at stories in scripture where God meets people in life's unraveling. We're going to explore the holy and the surprising ways that God moves in and around us in these moments, weaving together those loose ends of grief, of isolation, and of loss in our life. Because we know that things don't always go as planned. Sometimes our tightly knit together plans, they unravel into those loose threads. Our identity or the path that we had for ourselves, they come undone. And sometimes that can be a good thing. And then other times it can be painful. And sometimes it's both at the same time. Either way, the Holy Spirit is always with us, working to hem us in before and behind, and that is worth paying attention to. Now, our scripture reading for today, it comes from the book of Job, because if we're going to talk about pain and suffering, we might as well dive deep in and get, it to, get into Job. Job is one of the three books of wisdom in scripture, and this book struggles, and, and the wisdom literature, they struggle through the question of whether God is wise and just. And in the book of Job, we find a righteous and a good man. His name is Job. And out of nowhere, he loses everything he had. Everything, everyone he cared about. His family, property, wealth, even his physical health, it was all taken from him. And it was devastating. And at the beginning, in the midst of all of that suffering, Job still praises God. But then, after a few chapters of this book, we, we see how Job is really feeling inside. And, and he shares this long and this elaborate curse on the day that he was born. And then, some of Job's friends, they come and they visit him. And they try to offer some help, or what they think is help. And they're like, they say, Job, you must have done something horribly wrong. These are good friends. And to deserve all of this suffering. After all, we know God is just, and we know that the world is, is ordered by God's justice and, and fairness, so you must just be getting what you deserve. But Job is insistent that he's innocent. He's done nothing to warrant all of the suffering. And so we watch Job in these chapters ride this emotional roller coaster. At some moments, he is confident that God is still, even in the midst of all of this suffering, God is still wise and just. And then in other moments, Job is doubting God's goodness to the extent that he accuses God of being reckless and unfair and corrupt. And then finally, Job demands that God come down and explain God's self in person. And so God does, in the form of this great storm cloud. But because God is God, I think, 
God doesn't give Job a direct answer, but instead takes Job on this, this virtual tour of the universe, showing Job just how much detail there is in the world. The things that we might see every day, but, but we really don't understand fully. And God says, I do. I understand. I know it all intimately. And I pay attention to the beauty and the operations of the universe in ways that, that humans haven't even imagined. And then God shows Job two wondrous beasts. And they're symbols of, of disorder and of danger that exist in God's good world. These creatures, they're not evil. God's actually quite proud of them and loves them. But they're also not safe. And the point of God showing these two beasts to Job is to show that the world is amazing and very good. But it's not perfect and it's, it's not always safe for humans. God's world, it has order and beauty but it's also wild and sometimes dangerous, just like these two fantastic creatures that, he, that God shows Job. And that's our experience, isn't it? One moment we are in awe of the beauty of our world and how everything is knit together so amazingly with all of this awe-inspiring complexity. And then, in the next moment, we are dumbfounded by the chaos and the mysterious ways in which the world works that just don't make any sense. And when our world is knocked down and knocked upside down by tragedy or by loss, by pain and brokenness, we can react like Job, trying to trust in God's goodness, but ultimately wondering, God, how is this justice? How is this good? And in today's scripture, in chapter 28 of Job, this chapter has often been thought to be added later as a type of hymn to wisdom. And it sums up and it shows this journey that God took Job on. And as Matt read, it says, So where does, does wisdom come from? And where does insight live? It can't be found by looking, no matter how deep you dig, no matter how high you fly, if you search through the graveyard and question the dead, they say, we've only heard rumors of it. God alone knows the way to wisdom. God knows the exact place to find it. God knows where everything is on earth. God sees everything under heaven. After God commanded the winds to blow and measured out the waters, arranged for the rain and set off explosions, of thunder and lightning, God focused on wisdom, made sure it was all set and tested and ready. Then God addressed the human race. Here it is, fear of the Lord. That is wisdom. An insight, it means shunning evil. Wisdom is fear of the Lord. Now that doesn't mean being afraid of God, but having respect and reverence for who God is, to acknowledge God's majesty and power. True wisdom isn't of this world. Things don't always make sense. 
because we don't know all of the things. Things don't always, I have to repeat this for myself, okay? Things don't always make sense because we don't know all of the things. And that's okay because God does. And if we trust in God, God will give us the wisdom that we need for the moment, whatever we might be facing. Because God is the one who commanded the winds to blow and measured out the waters and arranged for the rain and set off explosions of thunder and lightning. God is the one who ordered the world. So we can trust that God is the one who has wisdom, wisdom for whatever comes our way. Now, in the very end of the book of Job, God tells Job that God approves of his wrestling, of even demanding that God come and and explain God's self to Job. Because Job came honestly before God with all of his emotion and all of his pain and simply wanted to talk to God himself. And God says that this, this is the right way to process all of this, all that Job was going through, all of the struggle through prayer with God. God wants us to bring our pain and our grief to God, trusting that God actually really does care and that God is wise and God knows what's going on. God knows what God is doing, even in those moments when it doesn't make sense. Even when we are confronted with a global pandemic, God is working somewhere in there. This word of unraveled, it suggests that at one point something was all together or something was whole, but now it's undone, it's unraveled. And, someone, and as someone who, who likes to have things together, who likes to be in control, unraveled feels like this negative word. And I, I connect it to feelings of anxiety or confusion or exhaustion or, or fear, not knowing what's going on. But if I'm honest with myself, if we are honest with ourselves, if we really ever had anything truly all together. That seems like an illusion that we create ourselves. So instead of being a negative word, maybe being unraveled or or coming undone, maybe it could be a practice in this trusting in God's wisdom and in this much-needed release to take a breath, to relax, and to be. It's possible that when we are unraveled that we can recognize our own humanity and our utter dependence on God, who is the greatest sowist, the greatest sower. Maybe being unraveled is the release that we need in order to trust God to weave us back together into the shape that we were created to be. And maybe, just maybe, that's what this table is about. About coming to the table 
<laughs> coming to the table and just collapsing in the chair and recognizing that God is here even in our unraveledness and that God is here to make us whole. And that's where we find our wholeness is with God, with this table and all that this table holds for each one of us, for the unconditional love and the unmerited grace that is here and waiting for us to receive. We know that at this table, Christ invites everyone, everyone who loves him, who earnestly repent of their sin, acknowledges their unraveledness, acknowledges their brokenness, and seeks to live in peace with one another and with God, opening ourselves to God, to the wisdom that is here, to let us confess our sin before God and one another. Holy God, we have been angry because we see suffering and we don't understand. We've been skeptical because we know heartbreak that doesn't seem fair. And we've withheld love because sacrifice only feels real when it's our own choosing. Forgive us for forgetting that you created the heavens and the earth. Forgive us for withholding our pain from you. Forgive us for thinking that we know everything. When the world falls apart around us, when love unravels and life slowly fails, Lord, draw us in. Show us grace for you gave the wind its weight and you gave our bodies life. Forgive us for forgetting that. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, Jesus took the bread and gave thanks to God, and then broke the bread and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then when the supper was over, he took the cup and again, after giving thanks to God, he gave it to his disciples and he said, take, drink from this. This is the cup of my new covenant given for you and for many for the forgiveness of your sins. Do this as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. Most holy and beloved God, we pray that your spirit, your holy and beautiful spirit, might be poured out on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and juice. Make them be for us the body and the blood of Christ that we might be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we get to feast at his heavenly banquet. 
Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit, in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. Amen. The body of Christ, broken for you. The blood of Christ shed for you. Almighty God, in some ways, receiving communion like this is unraveled. We are apart, yet we are united. God, speak to us through the ordinary. Speak to us through our mistakes, through our hurt, through our pain, and know, help us to know your wisdom. To know that in the midst of everything that we experience, you are there and you are with us. Even if we don't hear the answers, Lord, you are by our side and your love is ever-present. May we feel your strength, your comfort, your wholeness in our lives so that we might be for the world whole with you. We pray these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I invite you to stand in body or in spirit as we sing our closing song.
be seated. Before we leave, I want to share with you a few ways that you can embrace God's wisdom in your life. And this is the perfect Sunday to do that because we begin our new Sunday school classes. At 9.15, in just a few minutes, Jenny will share a, a class in the chapel that will lead you through different um, spiritual practices. Each week will be a new spiritual practice and a way that you can connect with God. And you'll have an opportunity to practice this simple practice and then take it into your week, try it out, see if it fits, and then come back for another one the next week. And that will be done about a little bit, just a little before our 10 o'clock service. So those who are joining our 10 o'clock service can join as well. And then during our edu education hour at, at 11 o'clock, we will have a hymn sing here in the sanctuary. And all are invited to join here in person as well as online. And then our kids will be learning about the Lord's Prayer up on the fourth floor. And then also, I want to introduce our newest staff member to the Wiggle Room, and that is Matt Boatsman. Matt, I want to welcome, um, he is our new Wiggle Room coordinator. He's been a part of BUMC with his family for several years now, and he's an excellent fit for the position. Um, the VBS kids know him and love him as their favorite part of VBS. And now he is here and he's going to be um, spending time with our littlest disciples in the wiggle room as their parents are here in worship or taking classes. And so we want to extend a very gracious welcome. This is actually like, what, your third Sunday or fourth Sunday? I don't know. But he just fit in so naturally. It was just like, okay, he's here now. But we do want to officially welcome him to the staff. And then also on um, February 21st, which is President's Day at 2 o'clock, we will have a fe BUMC Fellowship Players present Bye Bye Birdie. This was recorded in spring of 1995 when the individual that is sitting next to me was a few years younger and up there on the screen. If you haven't noticed, I just want to pause and and soak this in. And so if you would like to come and celebrate and all of, I don't even know who else was in it. Fran, I know Fran was in it. Jim Fair. Jim Fair. Who else? Kathy. Kathy? Um, which Kathy? There's many Kathys. <laughs> um, yeah, and so if you want to come at two o'clock on Monday in the Fellowship Hall, we're going to watch this recording of it. We have a VHS player that we're going to play a recording of it and use like a throwback retro technology, right? And we'll play it on the big screen downstairs and we'll have popcorn and it'll be a fun time of, of celebrating, of just joyfully gathering together and maybe we'll even get some autographs from our, our actors in Bye Bye Birdie. Maybe. I don't know. If he, if he so blesses us. With that, let us receive our benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you peace. Go in peace and not in pieces.
Amen. Okay. And are those the ones that like digital photos? Yes. 